Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> Hello there. How enthralling it is to see you return to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I'm your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and I'm happy to see you cross the threshold into this establishment because today we have something very special to show you. If you'll take a look over here, we have this piece hanging on the wall. It is a mirror. It is a fine wooden cherry frame. You'll notice the intricate carvings and the delicate inlaid bits of ebony. But you'll notice if you look into this mirror, a vast darkness is what you may see. And while you may see your reflection from time to time, you may be horrified at the self that stares back at you. And therein lies the essence of today's episode of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. So let's pull out the mutoscope and take a look at Season 6 of Black Mirror. So, Black Mirror is an anthology series on Netflix. I probably got into it sometime after it moved to Netflix. It was a, a British series uh, on Channel 4 in Great Britain uh, through the first couple of seasons, and then Netflix picked it up for the third season. That's probably about the time that I first saw it, and I kind of powered through. Of course, uh, this is a series that really, the seasons are very short. Uh, the first couple of seasons only had three episodes. Three and four only had six episodes. Season five only had three episodes. And this current season, season six, only has five episodes. So it's definitely a, a series that you can kind of power through quickly. And in those early days... It was something where I, I ate up all the episodes so quickly that I, I had to have more. And, and that was back in the early days of Black Mirror on Netflix where you got a season a year. Season 3, the first one on Netflix, came out in 2016. Season 4 came out in 2017. They had the Bandersnatch movie came out in 2018. Uh, season 5 came out in 2019. And then we've had to wait and wait and wait for this sixth season. But I was so happy when I heard it was kind of greenlit because sometimes series just disappear on Netflix and you never know when things are going to be picked up. But uh, this is such a popular series that I knew that there had to be uh, another season coming and I can't wait for the next season. Now that this season I've digested it all and I'll probably end up rewatching it a couple times as I tend to do with these anthology series because you know the episodes are short, so short it's kind of like reading a book of short stories. You can go back and cherry pick the ones you really like and mull over them and chew on them a little bit and in, in one episode's case uh, almost literally you can chew on it or it'll chew on you. Uh, we'll discuss that coming up, but uh, I'm a huge fan of anthology series. And for me, the pinnacle of anthology series came, especially for a genre fan, a uh, fan of fantasy, science fiction, and even horror, uh, is The Twilight Zone. Rod Serling, I'm a huge fan of his. As, as many who love genre, uh, they'll boast the same thing. But Twilight Zone really did it all. And they blurred the lines between horror, fantasy, science fiction, and Rod Serling, uh, his writing, the writing of, of men like Charles 
Beaumont and Richard Matheson just created this wonderful tapestry of horror, fantasy, and science fiction and kind of wove it in with threads of social issues, uh, the issues of the day. And that was kind of Rod Serling's impetus for creating the Twilight Zone, being able to speak to the things of the time in a way that wouldn't upset the the sensitive in society that, that don't like the boat rocked, but uh, doing it in a way that makes you think about, you know, how you, how you perceive things, how you believe things, uh, how you act towards things. And it's such a wonderful show. And I've seen a lot of anthology series come and go since then over the years. And I have to say, probably the series that comes closest to matching the wide-eyed wonderment that you got with those Twilight Zone episodes while still having an underlying social commentary or a political commentary or a racial commentary, it is Black Mirror. So if you haven't watched Black Mirror before and you're a big fan of Twilight Zone, I encourage you to check it out. One of the few things left that is worth watching on Netflix, uh, because every time Netflix comes up with something good to watch, uh, they end up canceling it because, uh, you know, people love to watch uh, reality shows and true crime shit about serial killers and, you know, good fiction, uh, especially horror fantasy and science fiction fiction is just not as grabby. It, it you know, you've got, uh, we'll, we'll get into that. It, it kind of ties into one of the episodes that uh, we're going to talk about coming up with Black Mirror Season 6. But huge fan of Black Mirror, was so excited to see this. And when it came out, I was trying to pace myself. I wanted to get all the episodes watched in time to really think about it and kind of mull over my thoughts of what I want to say about each of these episodes and what these episodes said to me. But I didn't want to rush myself. I really wanted to be able to take it in. So I got them all in, and wow, I, I really did like this season. I know there are a lot of people out there that didn't care for this. I mean, some people either loved it, thought it was the best season ever, or some people thought it was the worst season ever. And you have to take them season by season, and you have to look at it through a wider lens than just your own myopic tastes. You know, a lot of people fell in love with this series because it is, uh, it, it lend, leaned more science fiction for the most part, for the first few seasons. Uh, outside of a couple episodes like Playtest, this is really a science fiction series and it deals with a lot of not too distant future technology, but it speaks to how we've deal with technology now we see a lot of episodes where it is where we could be in 10 years from now 15 years from now as far as tech and the dependency on tech and how we let tech affect our lives so that's one of the things i thought was really cool about this series and what drew me to it at first but like any good series you have to grow you have to expand as a writer of this series charles brooker who is the creator and he writes uh, a lot of the episodes i mean there are other writers involved but he's the primary writer much like rod serling uh, in the twilight zone but you know he has other stories he wants to tell and i think this season really allowed him to open up. And I think the people that don't like this season are the people that want to keep Black Mirror in this little box 
that you know they tell the stories that only fit in this little box and the people that enjoy this season are the people that want charles brooker to go outside the box to tell those wonderful science fiction stories that deal with uh, not too distant future tech. Still tell those stories, but I, I want to hear more stories. I want to see more things. I want to go to different places. I want to go to the past. And we go to the past a lot in this season six. So ultimately, I loved season six. I thought it was a real broadening of the landscape, of the canvas so to speak, for this series. You can take this series and he showed that you can tell more stories, more types of stories than just not-too-distant-future, technology-driven science fiction stories. He delved a lot into horror in this. While it may not uh, be traditional horror, outside of maybe the last two episodes, there are definitely horror elements to, to some of these stories. And, and granted, you could say that throughout uh, many of the stories throughout many of the past seasons. But I think this season in particular, and he did something that... He usually doesn't do as far as his storytelling because, like I said, in previous seasons, a lot of these stories are either done in present day or they're done in a not-too-distant future. Sometimes a far-off future, but usually a not-too-distant future where in season six, he went back into the past quite a bit. The distant past, uh, sort of. I mean, if you can count the 70s, late 70s is distant past. To me, it seems like yesterday. Uh, of course, I would have been quite young at that time, but there's also some that were maybe not even 20 years ago, some stories uh, that happened in the early 2000s. So he went to the past for a lot of these stories, and it, it made for a different feeling and a different looking and uh, a different season altogether, which I think you know, like I said, some people aren't going to dig that because they want to keep this show in this little box and keep the lid on it tight uh, so it doesn't breathe. And then the show will die because you've suffocated it. But I'm glad Charles Brooker took the lid off the box and let it all out to breathe and roam and grow and gnash its teeth and maybe, quite literally, take a bite. So if you haven't watched Black Mirror Season 6, Go check it out. Uh, we're going to talk about each episode briefly. I'm not going to go into too much detail, uh, but we're going to talk about the things I liked and, and didn't like. Uh, I think probably most of these episodes I liked more than I didn't like in any of them. I don't even know if I could say I didn't like any aspects of some of these, but, but we're going to talk about them. Uh, not in depth, but we're going to talk about them overview style each episode and what I thought of it. But there are going to be a lot of spoilers. So if you haven't watched Black Mirror Season 6, go check it out on Netflix then come back, hear what I have, think of it, and compare out uh, jibes with what you thought of Season 6 of Black Mirror. But from here on out, there are going to be spoilers. So the first episode in this Season 6 was Joan is Awful. I think this was kind of a perfect way to kick off the season because it, it felt of any of the episodes in this season, this one felt the most like a traditional old school Black Mirror episode. It was set in present day, but it probably could have been a not-too-distant future as well. Uh, because I think some of the, the things they tackled in this were things technology-wise that were a not-too-far-off future. You know, maybe five, ten years down the road sort of future. But I thought this was cool because you have this character, Joan, and she has a shitty day. And then we find out, or she finds out, that this new 
kind of Netflix knockoff Streamberry. And and I have to say, they've they've used the Streamberry thing a couple times in this season. And either Netflix is really good sports about it, or they just don't get that they're being ridiculed. But uh, Streamberry, uh, because of the conditions, uh, terms and conditions you signed, you essentially sign away your rights and they can create a show about you because they're spying on you. And this character finds out this show, Selma Hayek is playing her. And it's this whole kind of meta world within a world within a world within a world sort of situation and it it was quite fun it was I think a story that really talked a lot about kind of what I mentioned earlier about how Netflix and streaming well I can't even say streaming services like Netflix because Netflix is the only one really going hard into this but essentially how they are profiting off the misery of others and exploiting other people because how many how many shows have you liked that have been canceled archive 81 just to find that they've got some new hot singles island reality show or they've got yet another serial killer docudrama or true crime documentary and it's like All they want to do is profit off the misery and the pain of others. And I think it it, it talks a lot about that, what Netflix and this fictional Streamberry, what they think the people want. Uh, I think it also comments on cancel culture because it's a story where, you know, she has a shitty day. And you see that shitty day portrayed on this, this fictional show called Joan is Awful. And you see all the bad things she does, firing a co-worker and dropping her vape on a co-worker and almost cheating on her boyfriend and uh, all these things. And while some of them are horrible, there's no nuance to it. There's no reason or rhyme or, or understanding where she's coming from and why she's doing the things she's doing. And I think that is a cancel culture commentary because so much of what people get canceled over is just something that everyone takes on face value or they read into it what they want and don't extrapolate what the true message or the true meaning of what was trying to be said. And you don't understand what a person's going through as to why they said that or, or, or whatever. And I think cancel culture is a lot like that, where there's no nuance allowed. It is just what you see. And, and you see a lot of that in Jonah's Awful. And the cast was just fantastic. I have to say, this is probably one of the biggest a star-studded cast I can recall in a Black Mirror episode. Of course, you had Anne Murphy, Selma Hayek, Michael Sarah, Himish Patel, Avi Nash, Ben Barnes, Rob Delaney. There's even, uh, she's not in it, but uh, a, a picture of her, Kate Blanchett. Uh, so it's just a, a ton of big actors in this episode. And it all plays uh, probably one of the more comedy Maybe not comedy-driven, because there's a lot of drama in this, but there are a lot of funny moments in this as well. And I thought, like I said, this is probably the most Black Mirror, like classic Black Mirror of any of the episodes in this season. Uh, The next episode, Lock Henry, I wasn't sure where this was going until you get to the end, and then it's kind of like this holy shit moment. Because this guy, Davis, and his girlfriend, Pia, played by Samuel Blenken and Mahala Harold. Uh, they are going back to Davis's 
hometown and it's just kind of this beautiful landscape but it's nothing because there was a serial killer or a murderer there years ago and and the tourists stopped showing up so they decide to do a documentary because the film students they're going to do a documentary on the serial killer and kind of drive tourism back to this this hometown and for the bulk of this episode it just kept going and going and you get a lot of character and story development but i'm just never really quite sure where this is going to go what's the end game until the pia character is looking at this old uh, archival vhs tape footage and finds out that davis's parents were involved in the killings in this town with the guy that everything is blamed on and it was it was quite a, a shocking revelation and then how it all plays out pia uh dying as a result of of being chased and him winning an award for this documentary and being so crushed by the events he lost his girlfriend his father had been dead his mother hanged herself and finding out that his parents he you know the parents he thought he knew he never really knew and the loneliness that that he felt while he should be celebrating while he's on top of the world and i think that's kind of a commentary on you know we see these people that uh we think should be on top of the world and should be loving life but you really don't know the shit that they've gone through and and i thought this was well it wasn't it didn't really feel like a big social commentary episode i thought it was a really good dramatic episode and the horror that was kind of underlying all of it i thought was really interesting now episode three beyond the sea probably one of the biggest as far as star power goes uh cast that you had it it starred aaron paul and josh hartnett also kate mara's in it and this was a cool one this almost felt like a classic black mirror episode if it wasn't for the fact that it was set back in 1969 it's kind of like an alternate history where you have these two astronauts they're out in space but nasa or the government has created these robotic replicas of each of them and they can go transfer their consciousness from deep space to these these robots here on earth and they can live their lives and the tragedy of it all when one of the astronauts families get killed by these zealots rory culkin makes a cameo as one of them josh hartnett's character is the one whose family dies uh aaron paul's character allows him to use his replica to just spend some time on earth and and of course while he's there he starts falling for aaron paul's wife and this definitely was an episode that played off of human nature and the self-destructive nature of human nature how we are given opportunities and we end up screwing it up because we just can't keep our dick in our pants or we just can't keep our eyes off of what's not ours we can't stop coveting and i i thought that was a it was a really interesting episode about human nature and then the tragedy of how this ends with josh hartnett's david and aaron paul is his character is cliff and how David ends up killing Cliff's family to essentially have somebody who's just as miserable as he is up in space. And that is ultimately what, what people sometimes, it feels like sometimes people want is people to be just as fucking miserable as they are. Believe me, I work with people like that. Now, episode four was an episode that 
uh, I've had a lot of people I've talked to and a lot of people I've read comments about. This is probably the one episode that encapsulates whether people hate or love this season. And uh, the people that love this season love this episode. The people that hate this season usually hate this episode. It's Maisie Day, which to me was one of my favorite episodes. It's set back in the mid-2000s. It is uh, about a member of the paparazzi, and you see her. Her name's Bo, and you see her, and you, and you feel empathy for her. She's doing horrible things, exposing people's darkest secrets and the darkest parts of their lives, but she's just trying to make ends meet. She's just trying to make a buck. She feels guilty for it, but, you know, it's it's a quick, easy buck. So you feel a lot of empathy for her, but you also see the your side of the paparazzi and just that that cutthroat nobody else matters mentality of these people and of course there is a big kind of bounty out for this actress Maisie Day she's kind of run off set of this movie she's filming in the Czech Republic after a hit and run incident nobody knows where she is and Bo finds out tells a friend the friend meets her at this rehab center that's been cleared of everyone and Maisie Day is there by herself. A couple other paparazzi guy kind of tail the friend of Bo. And then all shit breaks loose in this uh, because that's the one thing that I uh, was really shocked about this because I thought, okay, this is kind of an episode uh, talking about, you know, a, a social commentary on the paparazzi and how predatory they are on, on actors and people in the public life. But then when they get to this, rehab center and you see Maisie Day chained up to the floor and they're in there and they're all snapping pictures of her except for Bo and Bo looks over and realizes there's a couple goats in the room and Maisie's telling them pleading with them to get out of there I'm like oh no this is a fucking werewolf episode this is a fucking werewolf episode <laughs> I, I got so giddy because i werewolves have always scared me from a kid uh but very few werewolf movies anymore really scare me so i was really excited hopefully gonna see something pretty scary with werewolves and that moment where Maisie day looks out the window and you see the clouds move past the full moon and she starts to transform that's where shit got crazy and it got good i really dug the transformation i don't know how much of that was practical and how much of that was cg because they blended it well enough it's easy to do some really good transformations these days with cg but uh but i have to say uh there are some really bad ones out there and this i thought was a really good transformation the revelation that the hit and run incident that she had was with a werewolf that scratched her and that's how she turned into a werewolf that was kind of cool the chase scene between her and and Bo and her friend of course her friend played by uh, Danny Ramirez was really cool they get to that diner and the slaughter that happens there was fantastic I mean it was just visceral quick cuts it didn't linger on the cg werewolf very long so so i thought that really worked the incident where the sheriff gets bit in the neck and he's got the gun and he accidentally fires and kills the kid behind the counter was a, a really cool way to to show the franticness of a, a situation like this and then when Bo gets the gun and shoots the werewolf and, and the werewolf turns back into Maisie day 
And Maisie Day is asking her to kill her because she doesn't want to be a werewolf anymore. And Bo hands her the gun to kill herself. But before Maisie Day can shoot herself, Bo gets a camera and starts snapping pictures. And to me, it was a wonderful look at not only the predatory nature of the paparazzi, but they flipped that where the paparazzi were the predator and Maisie Day was the prey. They flipped the script. Maisie Day as the werewolf was the predator and the paparazzi were the prey. And then at the end of it all, at the end of the day, the paparazzi turned back into the prey, preying on Maisie Day as she's about to end her life. And it's it's such a tragic tale. It's a tragic story. It's a heartbreaking story. And this probably some of my favorite performances. You had uh, Zazie Beetz who played Bo. I thought she did a really good job with playing an empathetic character, but a character you still ultimately were disgusted by because of the predatory nature of her being a part of the paparazzi. And Clara Rugard, who I liked her. I've, I've liked her in uh, a lot of things I've seen her in. I Am Mother. I thought on Netflix she was really good in that. Uh, she plays Maisie Day and does just a wonderful job of that. Uh, playing this character that you see her as very self-destructive at the beginning. Uh, drugs, alcohol, that sort of stuff. But then she becomes so very sympathetic at the end. And then when you realize why she is doing the thing she's doing and it is the way she is because she's a werewolf, you feel even more sympathy. And then that, that heartbreaking scene where she's asking Bo to, to end her life because she doesn't want to be this is just tragic and heartbreaking and a wonderful episode and an episode that had some scares. Then of course the season wraps up with Demon 79. Now, this was a really interesting episode because this is something that uh, Charles Brooker is kind of tinkering with the idea of maybe splitting off and doing... Like, this is presented as a Red Mirror film. And this is the longest of all the episodes. This one, most all of them are right around an hour. The Maisie Day episode's about 40, under 45 minutes. And Demon 79 was... Uh, an hour and 15 minutes, almost like a, a movie. And they presented this as a Red Mirror episode. And and I know they tinkered with the idea of making the Maisie Day episode a Red Mirror episode. But what they're thinking of doing, Charles Brooker is thinking of doing, is doing essentially a spinoff series. You'll have Black Mirror that will stick with the technology and the not-too-distant future and the sci-fi stories. And then you'll have Red Mirror, which will be more of the horror-based stories and kind of like the crime stories, stuff like that. Uh, it's an interesting concept. I I would like him to just do whatever stories he wants to do. Call it Black Mirror, and all the little whining babies can can get over it if if it doesn't fit in the little box they want to confine this show into. But Demon 79 was a really interesting story. It's set back in 1979. You've got this main character, Nita, played by Anjana Vasan. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. She's Indian and she's living in a very white neighborhood in in London. And she just goes about her business, doing her thing. She's very nice. She doesn't want to hurt anybody. And she's just constantly 
dealing with people that, uh, like a co-worker that very much doesn't like her because of the color of her skin. And, and she deals with a lot of that throughout this episode until she finds this talisman, which has a little symbol on it that you'll, you've seen throughout this series uh, from time to time. But it conjures this demon, Gape, I believe is his name. Uh, part of me wants to say Gap, but that's... That's a band and that's a clothing line. But no, uh, Gape, I believe, is his name, played by Papa Asiedu. And once this demon Gape is summoned, Nita has to kill three people in three days or the world will come to an end. And it's her coming to grips with the fact that she's got to kill people and how at first it doesn't come easy. But by the end of it, it, it becomes easier and easier for her to kill. And, and he even says at the beginning that he has to find somebody that's corruptible and she kills the first two people and before she can kill this far-right uh, conservative politician who is very racist and going to essentially start World War III, she gets caught and she can't make her third kill. And you have that moment where she's being interrogated by the police and you start to wonder. They, they give a little bit of a red herring that maybe this was all in her head. And I thought, oh shit, that's that's kind of very much a a Black Mirror style ending to this. But then all of a sudden, these air raid sirens go off, and everybody looks out the window, and these nuclear bombs are going off. And you find out, no, that Nita was right, the demon gape was real, and those two go off into oblivion together, while the rest of the world burns. And there again, I, I don't know as if this episode had any real like social commentary other than it's pointing the finger at racism uh and, and rightfully so but it didn't really have a, a greater socio-political meaning it was just a really interesting story and i thought the two actors did a a wonderful job with this and it makes me kind of uh, interested to see if charles brooker does go off and do kind of a a spin-off series with the the red mirror stuff or if he keeps that in season maybe one season will have uh, a red mirror episode or, or something like that whether they do two complete different series uh, I, I don't know uh, i think that's really kind of up in the air from what i read and what i understand this is really just kind of an experiment on charlie brooker's part but i thought this episode was really cool because like the opening credits very much felt like a a British horror film from back in like the late 60s, early 70s. Just the, the title sequence looked really uh, indicative of that. Uh, you had the Gape character who looked like a fictionalized version of Bobby Farrell from Boney M, which they play uh, a lot of Boney M in this episode. Play uh, that uh, that one song, uh, Bright Eyes or whatever, by, from Art Garfunkel. The Boney M Rasputin song. A lot of really weird pop and disco. And it just, and they had some really fun needle drops in this episode. And then, of course, like I said, the, the Gabe character, uh, the demon, looked like Bobby Farrell in this fictionalized video of Boney M with these, this like white jumpsuit and this big feather, you know, big fluffy, furry 
feathery number on his shoulders. There's a very interesting look to everything in this episode. And of course, when you add the, the period on top of that, it just was really enjoyable to watch. So ultimately, I am a big fan of Black Mirror Season 6. I really liked it. Charlie Brooker, I think, did an excellent job with the writing of this. Uh, the, the production value is really good. Every episode just had a unique and distinct look about it and feel about it. I, I liked how he was not afraid to go to different places. You know, he's done five seasons of stories all told in a not-too-distant future, dealing with uh, not-too-distant future technology, and and still with the social and political commentary and the racial commentary and things like that. I, I was really excited once I, I was finished with it to see him open up the stories a little more and, and do things, go back into the past, be able to tell stories from decades past, to be able to tell stories that weren't necessarily science fiction, to tell stories that didn't necessarily have to deal with any sort of technology, just telling good stories. And that's the most anybody can wish for out of a, a good anthology series is good stories. Whether they're science fiction, whether they're fantasy, whether they're horror, whether they're drama, whether they're comedy. I particularly happen to like horror fantasy and science fiction. And I think this series does a really good job with exploring all of those. And it was nice to see in this season that Charlie Brooker kind of exploring more than just the science fiction side of genre. Now, I know there's going to be a lot of people out there belly aching and moaning because this isn't the this isn't like the other five seasons. Well, you've got five other seasons full of science fiction. Uh, you know, there's there's other stories out there. There's other genres out there that can still give you a, a great story, uh, interesting characters, have that political, social, racial commentary and not have to be, like I said, pigeonholed into this one type of genre, uh, this one subset of that type of genre. And you, you got to open your mind, expand your mind. And I think Charlie Brooker did that with this season. So I look forward to more. Uh, whether they do another season like this in Black Mirror, where it's just kind of a mixture of all these genres, horror, fantasy, and science fiction, or if they do break it off and do Black Mirror for the sci-fi stuff, Red Mirror for the, for the horror stuff, however they do it, I just can't wait. Hopefully we don't have to wait another four years for another season of Black Mirror or Red Mirror or whatever mirror that Charlie Brooker does because... That's how long we waited. I mean, season five came out in June of 2019, and here it is, June of 23, before we got a new season. So hopefully we'll get uh, more Black Mirror. I, granted, I, I'm sure COVID had a lot to do with that, but uh, hopefully we'll get another season of Black Mirror and not have to wait so many years for it. Uh, yeah, Netflix has become notorious for that. Uh, <laughs> multiple years in between seasons but there again we'll uh we'll keep you posted on odds bodkins curiosity shop want to thank everyone for listening to my thoughts on black mirror season six hopefully you enjoyed it as much as i did and like i said anytime we hear uh news on when we can expect a season seven of black mirror or a season one of red mirror uh, we'll talk about it on our Facebook page, Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We're always posting trailers uh, to series and films coming out in horror, fantasy, and science fiction. Always sharing articles we find all over the internet on those genres, as well as adding my two cents and all sorts of stuff on the Facebook page. Uh, check out our Instagram as well. 
for for everything that's going on with Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Please, no matter where you listen to this podcast, uh, leave a review. Five stars would be awesome. Share the episodes. Uh, share the podcast with anyone that you know that loves horror, fantasy, and science fiction. And no matter where you're listening to this podcast, whatever platform, like it, follow it, subscribe to it, whatever your particular platform calls it, do that and uh, stay on top of what's going on, all the latest episodes coming out of Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. So until next time. Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha.